0: let's dental we are discussing oral ulcers in that we have discussed about like acute multiple ulcers and also the recurrent multiple ulceration of the mouth and now we are discussing about the chronic multiple ulcers in that we have discussed some autoimmune diseases like pemphigus and its variants today we will discuss about the other diseases that are causing the chronic multiple ulcers in the mouth in that the next topic the pemphigus, is the actually the intra epithelial vesicular formation is seen that is also autoimmune disease in which the vesicles are formed due to the disturbance in the within the epithelial layers so that is intraepithelial dermatosis whereas today we will discuss some other diseases which are sub epithelial that is sub epithelial bullous dermatosis so that are causing the chronic multiple ulcers in the mouth so what is sub epithelial bullous dermatosis these are group of diseases like mucocutaneous blistering diseases characterized by autoimmune reaction to the structural component of the basement membrane zone that is the autoimmune reaction is seen at the basement membrane zone so that the epithelium is getting separated from the underlying dermis not within the epithelial layers but below means at the base, basement membrane zone so in this we will cover some diseases like bullous pemphigoid mucous membrane pemphigoid linear IgA disease epidermolysis bullosa acquisita and also the chronic bullous dermatosis of childhood these are the five different diseases which are subepithelial in the etiopathogenesis and manifesting as chronic multiple ulcers in the mouth so first one is the bullous pemphigoid so this disease is an autoimmune disease and it is most common form of the subepithelous subepithelial bullous dermatosis and it occurs in the elderly like above 60 years of age and patients may give the history like oh, it may occur as a single episode or sometimes in some patients even it is reported that it occurs like as an in like recurrent form also means once it is healing they will again recur mainly the bullous pemphigoid is the recurrent form and also it is self limiting means the ulcers will heal by themselves but they are very slow to heal they take long time like about 6 months to even 5 years they will take to heal So it is self-limited, takes about 6 months to 5 years and it is also recurrent in some patients. So it is even associated with some other systemic diseases like multiple sclerosis and some malignancies also. So we had to rule out if the patient has any other diseases suffering with. So coming to the etiopathogenesis, here the antibodies were formed against the antigens that are present on the epithelial cells that is hemidesmosomes of the epithelial cells these epithelial cells are at the lamina lucida layer of the basement membrane zone so this is there is an antigen antibody reaction and also it is found that even they will activate the complement system and also the leukocytes so because of this antigen antibody reaction there is also inflammatory reaction is also activated so in these patients we'll see the both autoimmunity and inflammatory reaction so even clinically we'll discuss this So because of this activation of leukocytes and complements and also antigen antibody reaction there is destruction of the epithelial cells and formation of the vesicles at the basement membrane zone. So coming to the clinical features as we have discussed it is most common in the elderly patients and it is self-limiting and sometimes even recurring disease and it is the main other characteristic feature of this is it is as this inflammatory component also patients even complain of pruritus. So, the ulcer or the vesicle formation is preceded by the macular papule initially with pruritis. Then it will become the vesicle or the blister and then it will form the ulcers. So, most of the time these lesions are not like extending at the periphery. Whereas in the pemphigus we have discussed that the ulcer. Uh, so, at the periphery of the ulcer if you apply any pressure there will be extension of the Uh, like vesicle formation at the periphery so this particular characteristic feature is not there in the pemphigoids so they are limited if the ulcer is formed it will not extend at the periphery so they are limited to some parts of the skin and the mucosa coming to the mucosa mainly the groin scalp axilla and legs and arms are commonly involved means they are like limited to particular part of the skin so they are self-healing and also bullae will not extend at the periphery these are the characteristic features of the Bullous pemphigoid. And coming to the oral manifestations, mainly, it is the most common. Oral manifestations are common in this disease, and mainly they occur, they involve the gingiva and form present as the discoid gingivitis. Whereas the labial involvement is very rare in this bullous pemphigoid, but the gingiva is most common, commonly involved. And the lesions will be like slow in onset and they are small compared to the pemphigus. Not like diffuse involvement will not be there. They are limited to any particular part of the oral mucosa. Their lesions are small and they are less painful, painful also. So this is about the oral manifestations. Then comes the differential diagnosis as these are all presenting as ulcers. First we had to rule out whether acute or chronic, singular, multiple, and all we had to rule out. Then the main differential diagnosis will be because g squamative is the main presentation we need to consider of erosive lichen planus, pemphigus and other pemphigoids, other sub epithelial bullous dermatosis also. coming to the erosive lichen planus as we discussed in pemphigus also the lichen planus will have even though it is having the ulcerative form or the erosion of the gingiva somewhere in the mouth you will see that Wickham's striae or sometimes like reticular white lesion is most commonly presented somewhere in the oral mucosa. So we can differentiate it as a lichen planus, if at all white lesion is there. Next is the pemphigus, again in the pemphigus as we have discussed, in the pemphigoids the lesions are limited to particular site. Whereas in the pemphigus there is be like diffuse involvement of the oral mucosa is seen, labial mucosa is also commonly involved. And also we will see that there are skin lesions are also extensively, skin is also extensively involved with the disease. Next is the mucous membrane pemphigoid that is among the subepithelial also we have to differentiate mucous membrane pemphigoid also which is having only the oral like mucosal presentation there is no involvement of the skin that is a typical feature of mucous membrane pemphigoid which will help us to differentiate it from the bullous pemphigoid. So in the bullous we have you will see oral mucosa and also the skin involvement and also and when we are doing the antibody like indirect immunofluorescence, we can um, like do the quantitative test for the antibodies in the serum. So, these antibody titers are very less in the mucous membrane pemphigoid compared to the bullous pemphigoid. This is also helpful in differentiating it from the mucous membrane pemphigoid. So, in coming to the laboratory investigations, so before confirming all the, uh, it has the bullous pemphigoid, we have to do some investigations, mainly the biopsy is done and also the blood test that is, for the indirect immunofluorescence are done. Coming to the biopsy histopathology, we will see that there is separation of the epithelium from the connective tissue at the basement membrane zone. So that is because of the autoimmunity and also the inflammatory reactions and the inflammatory infiltrate uh, reactions that is present at the basement membrane zone is seen to be rich in eosinophils. That is one more characteristic we will see in the histopathology. And in the same uh, after doing the biopsy and the same biopsy specimen we will be doing the direct immunofluorescence test also where we are applying like a anti-human antibodies are uh, applied to the specimen and we will see that there is deposition of these antibodies at the basement membrane zone as a linear band and again if you are splitting this uh, biopsy specimen with the sodium if the specimen is placed in the sodium chloride solution you can split it. That is this is referred to as the salt split skin test here the, the biopsy specimen is split at the basement membrane epithelium is separated from the dermis so that we can see this deposition very clearly and even in the indirect immunofluorescence also we are taking the patient's serum and applying on the other uh, like a skin specimen where it is also treated with the sodium chloride and it is also salt split skin method is more useful and more clear. So even in this bullous pemphigoid, we will see that high titers of antibodies in the circulation is found. So it is mainly useful, this indirect immunofluorescence is useful to differentiate it from the mucous membrane pemphigoid and also to distinguish it from the epidermolysis bullus acquisita where IgG antibodies are bound to the dermal side of the salt split skin whereas in this Pemphigoids, these antibodies are bound to the epithelial side of the salt split skin. That is the main differentiating feature. So coming to the management again, if the oral manifestations are very limited and any one part of the mucosa is involved, we can just give to the patient topical steroids like lobetazole can be given. If the lesions are very extensive, we have to think of giving the systemic steroids, systemic corticosteroids and also sometimes to reduce the dose of the corticosteroids, we will add the, any other immunosuppressive drugs can be added. To the patient. So, if at all the patient is compromised and cannot tolerate the steroids, we had to think of giving the other immunosuppressive drugs. So, this is about the bullus pemphigoid. Bullus pemphigoid we have discussed, and in the next episodes, we will discuss other subephthalous, subepithelial bullous dermatosis.